This is the Jabberjaw Podcast Network. Not everything metal was created equal. What an ugly thing to say. The Metal Sucks Podcast. Shiggity Chuck and Godless attempt to bring order to chaos or just make stupid jokes about dumb people. Stupid. A person below normal intelligence. This is the Metal Sucks Podcast. Greetings and salutations, my fine metal friends. Welcome to another edition of the Metal Sucks Podcast. How the hell are you doing? I'm Chuck. And I'm Godless. And this is your weekly examination of all things metal, the Metal Sucks Podcast. This week brought to you by Black Sabbath. They return to North America this month for their highly anticipated final tour called The End. And to celebrate the greatest metal band of all time, the releases of deluxe editions of its first three studio albums, Sabbath, Paranoid, Master of Reality, all are going to be available for you. The Oh, dude, it's a 2012 remaster of the original albums available on CD for the first time, along with a second disc of outtakes previously unreleased in North America. Out now on the double disc or double LP, whichever uh, you choose, Sabbath, I go for the uh, vinyl if I were you. Also brought to you by uh, (laughs) Tooth Grinder, their debut album, which is amazing. Is called Nocturnal Masquerade. Uh, it's available from Spine Farm Records on January 29th. Uh, you need to check this band out. 12 tracks of schizophrenia, aggressiveness, uh, te- technical wizardry, wizardry, wizardry. Yeah. And if you wizardry. are, yeah, if you're a fan of uh, Dillinger, Between the Bear and Me, Meshuga, this record is going to be for you. I suggest it. It is. It's fine. Like I could not tell that this was their first album. You know what I'm saying? Like early I, contender for for best of list. It is already early contender. It's I, I put it in my top twenty right off the bat just because I want to keep it broad. But this is one of those that comes out in January that you have to kind of mark down for the end of the year because you'll go. Yeah. It'll stick with you. But like you want to remember this record. It is amazing. It really is great. So Nocturnal Masquerade comes out on the 29th. Be on the lookout for that. Metal Sucks Podcast. Of course, you can find us all over the place on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, wherever you uh, get your podcast. Make sure you subscribe. We would appreciate that. Maybe leave us a couple of stars. Tell us we suck. That's awesome. You can find us on social media. I'm at Bearded Ape. I'm at Godless Speaks and Godless Speaks on Facebook. You can also find us on Instagram at Chuck and Godless. I just posted a, 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 a picture of my loot crate. Uh, I got a K. I I got signed up for Loot Crate for uh, Christmas. Oh my god! Oh my god! I got a what, what's Loot Crate? You never Loot Crate? You're not not familiar with this? Oh, it's like the it's my family calls it the Nerd Box. Uh, because it's basically all kind of nerdy sci-fi stuff. And this week was a whole, I can't remember what it's called. It was not villains. It's called invasion. Uh, and it had a stuffed face hugger in it, dude. It was cool. This is like the coolest thing ever. So, but I posted a couple of pictures of that on Instagram. You can check us out there. You can also find us at chuckinggodless.com. That's our Patreon. Thank you to all of our supporters. We appreciate and the new it. ones. Yes. Yeah, definitely. We got a couple of new ones, and we appreciate you. We're going to be uh, hooking you up with other cool stuff, some extra podcasts. I got a feeling that on 70,000 Tons of Metal, we're going to record a few extra things here and there. Yeah. Uh, yeah like I think uh, I think that's going to be an opportunity to get some extra stuff for uh, for our Patreon people. So 
Make sure you get over there the and kid, support it. The kid and I yesterday recorded our first episode of Raised Godless. Oh, which, dude. Uh, we're, we're very excited about it. I'm going to start editing it. I'll get it out to you. And then you know, you'll probably have to do some magic on it so it actually sounds okay. Because, you know, I, I got to get the kid like closer to the mic. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. He keeps on fading away, that sort of thing. But yeah, yeah, it was uh, it, it, very exciting. I thought it turned out really well. So How did he do? Did he do okay? Yeah, he was great. You know, he's well-spoken and the whole thing. I was real proud of him. He, he did talks, awesome he talks as much as you do so i mean uh, you know he's, he, i figure he's he's got the gift of gab from godless so i mean i figure he'd be okay i i just hope that i, I think that the the patreon supporters will dig it i'm excited and and i am uh going to be as soon as i'm back in the states for the seventy i'm coming in a few days early in florida uh to uh make sure i print up enough of the uh metalheads versus humanity uh metalheads against humanity card game uh, that I've been doing for a year now. <laughs> I can't wait to see and, this. I, I, yeah. I finally, because I mean, you basically, this was born on 70,000 tons last year, so. Yeah, yeah. So the, the whole idea is if you've ever played the game Cards Against Humanity, so this is like a, you know, you could mix these cards with those cards, you know, or whatever. And I forget what level it is that we uh, uh, are sending, I'm sending the, the cards out to, but if, you, if you're if you a subscriber on Patreon to a, at a certain level, I'll make sure you get it. I just got to uh, print those up in the next uh, couple weeks or so. I got a few more I got to write, but it shouldn't take me too bad. Now, in this episode, we are going to talk to uh, James Labrie, the uh, lead singer, and I, I we can use the word singer when we talk about James Labrie. Uh, of Dream Theater because um, they've got a new album, double album that is going to be dropping. And dude, it is it's this may be their finest hour. It really might be. Uh, it, it's impressive. It's an entirely immersive concept album that's going to be a live performance. And we hear all about uh, what's going to happen with the live show. How will this work? I mean, we we got to talk to James for quite some time, and uh, and yeah, he's a he's really kind of a special dude. Dude, you brought it in this dude. You had you were totally spot on. So yeah, everybody's gonna yeah. I think you're gonna dig it, whether you're a Dream Theater fan or not. I think that this is an interesting interview. So I I was really excited because you know for me I'm I've never been like a, a Dream Theater. Either you're in or you're not. That's you know? very true. And very true. And so. I, I've always been, it's always been sort of like role playing games or something like that. Like, sure, it looks really interesting, but I don't want to dive into that, you know? Uh, but funny, that's like the soundtrack to my D&D career. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, but no, it's, my thing is that I'm a former uh, recovering vocalist, if you will. Uh, and it's really interesting to me to talk to somebody who can sing on stage the way that he does for two and a half hours. You know, like that's amazing. I mean, it's really impressive. And uh, I did one of the guys that we definitely wanted to talk to on the, on the, on the, you know, brink of this new album being dropped. So that's going to be coming up later in the show. We're also going to get a new song from Holy Grail, which is wicked good. Uh, the debut on metal sucks last week. So we're going to get to that. Yeah. So awesome. We're going to get that. And also talk about the death of rock and roll. Well, actually, maybe. <laughs> I've got a South by Southwest panel that's coming up for uh, South by in March this year. And I call, what did I call it? It's a, is rock and roll dead or is it just on life support? Something like that. I've got a couple of, you know, got Dave Rath, who's been on the show from A&R for Roadrunner Records. He's going to be on the panel. I'm uh, going to get, uh, I think Lou Brutus is, is set for it from uh, Hard Drive Radio. And I'm working on a couple other people to be on the panel uh, to talk about cool. all these people that have said rock and roll is dead. And even more, like the exclamation point on it has been Lemmy, you know, with uh, the death of the the biggest rock icon in the world. It's been, oh, shit, 
what, who's uh, where's the rock and rollers now? So uh, we're going to ta- brought it up because I thought it'd be interesting to talk about in the context of that metal show being canceled from VH1 uh, Fogies uh, channel. What what's they call that? VH1 classic, uh, almost dead. Yeah. Oh, VH1 <laughs> hospice. Uh, yep, exactly. So yeah, with that metal show being canceled, and you also noticed something else when you were looking at uh, perusing the numbers from uh, the tours. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, about we'll how all that relates, we're going to talk all yeah. about that in the back half of the show. So uh, make sure you stick around. We're going to we're, we're going to rip apart rock and roll and examine it for you here on this episode. But before we jump into Dream Theater, can I just put a shout out to uh, Freddie Lim from Cathonic One? Oh, his, dude, uh, right election. That's crazy. Yeah, he's a he's a Taiwanese legislator now or something. That's pretty cool. awesome. Yeah, I couldn't believe that when I saw the results of that. I was like, that is. Awesome. Uh, I can't wait to see what happens there. But it could be like what happened with, um, what's his name? The guy from uh, uh, the the president that won. Uh, remember? Uh, Napalm Death, uh, Barney. Yeah. Just, yeah. Uh, oh, damn it. I can't remember his name. Yeah. Who's who's Cathonic going to like uh, uh, execute? That's what we want to know. <laughs> <laughs> now the music videos are going to like come to life. You now we know? have the it's power. It's going to be awesome. <laughs> we have the power to do it. We can bring it to you. So in one respect, rock and roll is maybe declining, but in others, uh, we're infiltrating the man. We're, we're getting yeah. into your government now at this point. So that, that And, you know, Glenn Fry passed away a few days ago. Uh, you know, you can toss his body on top of Lemmy's and David Bowie's. And all I got to say is th- those are the artists I can now torrent without too much guilt. So that's <laughs> that's a good thing. <laughs> All things considered. Oh, oh, all right. Now, God damn it. You do this before every interview. This is, you bring me totally down. I'm like, oh, oh, man. You can't torrent the Dream Theater. Those guys are alive and kicking, people. And you don't man. do it. You got to put your money down and buy it. It's going to be magic, dude. James Labrie from Dream Theater on the Metal Sucks Podcast. Hey, James, it's uh, Chuck and Godless, actually, both of us from the uh, Metal Sucks Podcast. How are you doing? I'm doing great. How about you? Uh, doing well, doing well, man. Uh, great to talk to you. Excellent. Did you get a chance to contribute to this new album creatively, or did John have total control over this thing? Yeah. Uh, basically, this is how it started. The inception started about two and a half years ago with John having a, an idea of a story that he wanted to construct. And basically, he enlightened us to that fact about uh, at that time. And then it was maybe about a year later that he presented us with uh, a pretty much a, a synopsis of what he was writing. Actually, it was even more detailed than a synopsis. And uh, it was extremely well presented, and, you know, we were pretty stoked. Uh, from the writing of the story to the writing uh, of the the music it went down to Jordan and John, uh, basically creating and composing all the music for the album. Um, when it came to the melodies, a lot of the melodies were being written. Uh, I'm talking vocal melodies were being written as the music was being laid down. I mean, they would just automatically hear it. Um, needless to say, um, you know, so a lot of it was already in the bag when I came into it, and, and you know what, I mean, it wasn't like uh, I wasn't aware of this, that, that this was going to be the approach to the album, and I was completely open to it. 
I mean, I've been in the business long enough. I'm not going to get my ego bruised over something like that. It's the way that I looked at it is as long as it comes out to the way that we are hoping that it comes out so that it's something that we feel is incredible and it has everything that it needs to have to be presented as, you know, a, a great album, then I have no no problem with it. It would be another story if I heard it and I was I was in shock because it wasn't anything near what I was expecting. But I really wasn't worried about it, and sure enough, it did c- come out uh, sounding the way that you're hearing it. Um, the only other thing we did is myself, Jordan, and John got together in a room, and we went through all of the melodies for each and every song, tweaked them, made sure that we were, that, um, you know, all the melodies were sitting exactly where we thought they should be sitting so that the vocals could be very powerful uh, throughout the story and dynamic. And um, the only other little alterations here and there happened while I was in the studio. Because once you get behind the microphone and you really start going for it, you you know, it is as sound as everything might be when you're putting it together, um, it doesn't necessarily translate as such. So there was some minor, uh, you know, tweaks here and there that I was doing in in the uh, in the studio just to make it more. I guess someone would would point to it as singer friendly, and just made more sense melodically to within there. For you guys, you know, when I when I when I look at the you know obviously the lineup for Dream Theater, you guys are solid. You guys have been together for a long time, and this a uh, project mm-hmm. like this, you know, you've got some. Uh, just amazingly accomplished musicians all in the same room together. How do you, how do you, how are you able to tell them, no, I think it should do this way? Does it, do you guys ever have any conflicts or anything like that when you're working through stuff like that? Or is it just natural now for you guys? Well, I, I think in the past we did just because every band goes through its growing pains. Um, but I think when you get to this stage uh, in your career and you've been together for 25 plus years, I would hope at that point you know how to communicate whether you're not necessarily in agreement as to where something is going. Um, you know, it's something that you can discuss and something you talk through amicably. You know, it's it's not it's no more button heads and you know somebody stomping out of the room or, or anything like that. It's it's a matter of uh, suggesting something that you feel is relevant and something that that holds um, validity to it. And I think at that point, you know, someone somewhere along the way is going to have to compromise. And you're hoping that the compromise is, is for the better of, of uh, the actual goal. You know, it, it's, it's all about really feeling that you're, um, you know, you're there to embellish and to make it as great as it can be, not to be a hindrance. So I think it's all, it's all a matter of really learning how to communicate with one another and really everyone leaving their ego at the door, you know, because, I mean, if, if you're doing that, you, you just can't see past it. And I think that did happen earlier on in our careers where someone would say, well, I know what I'm doing. I don't need you or I don't, I don't agree or anything like that. But, I mean, at some point you got to start thinking uh, about the bigger picture. And I think that's where we sit today. Um, you know, like it, it's, it's to the point now where if I really don't like something, um, you know, I'll voice it, and in most cases, it will be worked or massaged or whatever it has to be to somewhat reach a middle ground. But that doesn't, you know, that being said, it really doesn't happen that often. I'd say that we're in a very 
cohesive place as a band right now. And uh, I think that's why the album turned out the way it did. There's several factors why it turned out the way it did, but I think that also helps it along the way because there's a unity there, you know. It's, it's a unified quest, so to speak. You pretty much have to go both uh, all in on something like this, right? I mean, it, it, you can't, there's no half-assing it. Well, it's got to be... Because, I mean, I'm looking Absolutely. at the characters and the maps and the da 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 and it's like, this is immersive. Mm-hmm. It's a, it's a, it's a pretty, aston- I mean, not the pun, but astonishing. It really is. And no, it, it is. And I mean, you know, we all really were, were stepping it up and um, bringing, going into territory that we never had gone before, especially, you know, when you have more like a swing jazz or tango music mixed in there, and then you have um, fiddle and and bagpipes and all that stuff. I mean, you, you know, you're, you're bringing in elements and um, expressions musically that were were never really a part of our our, uh, our music previously. And I think myself personally, um, it was wrapping my head around, which you know, I did a lot of homework. Um, you know, really getting into the characters, reading quite uh, profoundly into each uh, lyric that was. Um, for each and every character and making that person become me like you know basically becoming a vessel for that emotion or for that that um that personality and so once i got to to that point with each character then it was a matter of me just really figuring out um you know the voices that i wanted to give each character that I thought, you know, I mean, I can't, I can't really give you a different voice for each character, but with, you know, nuances and inflections and texture, um, that's how I knew that the listener would be able to identify with each character and know exactly, without having to read the lyric, oh, yeah, I see where he is, you know, maybe he's back singing something that Faith would be saying at this point, or Arabelle, or Gabriel, or Nefarious, and so on and so forth, so... Probably is, the biggest challenge in my life. Is that is that yeah. something new for you? Is that it's something you've ever done before? It's not new for me because, you know, I, I did, um, you know, I did the, the Human Equation with Arian Lucasen, and I did uh, Trent Garner. I worked with him on uh, Leonardo, the Absolute Man. So these were, you know, character-driven albums, like rock operas, so to speak. And so, you know, I did have experience with that. I mean, I just finished... Um, doing the live shows for uh, the Theater Equation in September in Holland at the Luxor Theater in Rotterdam. And there, you know, I was on stage every night and, and having to act as well as sing with an amazing cast. And that DVD comes out, uh, I think, next June. But it, it's all, you know, having been a part of, I think, those type of ensembles that really gave me an advantage going into this in the sense that, okay, this is another character-driven, theatrical-like album that, you know, and this is the way that I need to approach it. So it was from having that experience, I think, that really enabled me to be able to even push it even further. I hate to ask about, like, how the live performance is going to come out, because that seems like a kind of a moot question, because you want to see it. But really, this is going to present itself in a really interesting way for you guys to do it live. Well, I think, you know, if, by listening to the album, and which I know you've done, um, it's very cinematic. So with that being said, um, the live production, which is um, going to really be uh, spectacular, for our audiences each and every night is it is very visual it is 
very imagery, um, you know, built, and not not to, to uh, distract or detract from the us being on stage, but it will really support everything that needs to be happening. All those elements are absolutely crucial and integral to putting on the kind of show that needs to be put on in order to support this and so that it translates 100% accurate. And so uh, there are going to be moments in the night where you're going to see me interacting with what is on a screen because that voice will be, well, it will be my voice from the studio, but it would have been a little too awkward for me to be singing each and every line uh, within some of the, some of the songs that, that are doing. Because, uh, so it makes it a little bit more, uh, a little bit more, I guess, believable and acceptable to do it the way that we're, we're going to approach it. But that's very minimal at the same time. Um, it's, it's extremely minimal. Ninety-nine <laughs> percent of it, yeah. you know. It's twenty-five years of trust and familiarity with each other, and and at the same time, fans mm-hmm. have had twenty-five years of familiarity and trust with you. Do you feel any pressure from the fans? Do you worry at all about how they're going to respond? Have you ever had an occasion where they responded different than you anticipated? Uh, you know what? It's that's it's a really kind of, um, geez, I don't even know how to word this at this particular moment. Your, your relationship with your fans can be uh, quite, quite dysfunctional at, at, at times. You know, it <laughs> depends on um, what it is that you're, you're presenting, and it depends on where you are, especially the live shows, you know. I think they either accept what you're going to be putting out there, or, or they don't. But, I mean, you can't really 100% know, and you know that you can't satisfy 100% of everyone that's going to be in the audience with what you feel is the best way to go about presenting a show. Um, so you hope that, you know, everything that you've considered, everything that you thought of that is absolutely uh, crucial to, to presenting what it is that you're trying to present is exactly what they're going to accept and exactly what is going to thrill them. Um, it doesn't always work that way, and I mean, you can, if you want to spend the time and go on to the social networks and, and hear what they're saying about the shows, you can do that quite easily. You can do that as soon as you walk off stage, because people are texting during the show, which, you know, I'm not a big fan of either. I mean, you know, uh, I think that while you're there, uh, you know, you spent big money to, to come and see the band, put the phone away, or take some pictures or whatever, and, and really absorb it and get everything you can from it, you know take it for all it's worth and then go about, you know, writing your review if you so choose. But I'm going off on a tangent. But I think, you know, what I'm trying to say is that you can't, you always are trying to, to do something that you feel will definitely uh, bring it home for everyone involved, being the band, the technicians that we, that are absolutely, um, you know, so incredibly invaluable to what we do each and every night and to the fans, that they walk away and they go, oh, my God, that was awesome. You know, I, I, I want to go see it again before that tour is done. That's, that's the results that you want. On this tour, you guys are going to be doing this album in, in its entirety, correct? Mm-hmm. Yes, it is. Well, yeah, that th- is correct. This is going to be yeah, I, a massive undertaking for you. Well, I mean, we've done, you know, the last 
the last tour that we were out on um, to support the self-title album, uh, we were doing a, an evening with. So there was, uh, you'd be on stage for an hour, fifteen, an hour, twenty minutes, fifteen minute intermission, and back out there for another an hour, fifteen. So it was pretty damn close to two and a half, two hours and forty-five minutes each night that we were out there. Um, so we're kind of used to it. It doesn't make it any easier. <laughs> you know, yeah. I mean, it is. It is very taxing, very, um, very physical, uh, very mental as well. You know, um, so uh, you really have to prepare yourself. I mean, every single day I'm going through the album from beginning to end, and you know, I'm one of these guys. I don't, I don't use a teleprompter. I was, I feel that um, that would be too constricting. I would be a, a slave or a prisoner to the teleprompter. So for me, I've always. Uh, prided myself in you know memorizing all the words so that I have the freedom to strut around the the, the stage and interact with the fans and look at them you know right in, right in the eye and eyes. Uh, hopefully, most of them will have eyes and not just one. <laughs> but you know, I I think that that's that's really important. It's all about getting yourself prepared, and it's also too you know because it's a bit of a shock at first. Because we're not unlike anyone else, you know. You're at home, you're chilling out, you're with your family, you're seeing your friends, and blah, 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 blah. And all of a sudden, bang! And that's what it feels like. It's a blink of an eye, and you're out there on stage, and you're in front of thousands of people, and you're kind of like, whoa, whoa, <laughs> wait a minute, man. I was just like, you know, last week at this time, I was like sitting in my living room just chilling out and, <laughs> and shooting the shit with friends or, or with family and that, and all of a sudden, it's a completely different world. So you really have to like slowly start bringing yourself to that reality. And it, and with me it happens probably about 4 weeks before the tour is when I really start to to sit down and you know get myself into that. Do you get apprehensive at all? Do you do you emotionally get affected? Do you before going on the road? I get worried about a vacation. Let alone I get, going I get out a little, on the road. Like my wife always says my, my wife and my kids say I get a they can tell I'm a little more on edge, or just a little, uh, slightly temperamental at times. But not, no. I mean, I don't, I don't turn into a nut or anything like that. It's just you know because you have a lot going on, and uh, and you're wanting everything to be, you know, in place and and exactly so that you can walk on stage and feel 100% confident. It's all gonna flow easily. But it's it's funny because every time we do the first show, you can see. Each guy in the band, you can see that he's, you know, while he's walking down the hallway backstage or you pass him, you talk to him for a bit. You can always tell that we're kind of like in two places at the same time, you know, thinking about the show, thinking about the performance, and then, yes, having the conversation or whatever else you're doing that day leading up to the first show. It's pretty crazy. King Crimson bassist Tony Levin wrote about how, like, after a tour, it would take him a week or two before he really could get back into the groove of a normal life. Do you have anything similar? To, how long does it take before the wife can ask you to mow the lawn, you know? <laughs> yeah. Um, it usually takes me about, yeah, I'd say about four days, five days before I feel grounded again or, or back into the domesticated lifestyle, and which is, which is pretty crazy because when we're um, doing a world tour, uh, we'll be out for four, anywhere from four to six weeks, and then we'll come home for approximately three weeks. So you're just getting into the groove of being back home, really, like where everything just seems, okay, yeah, this is cool, wake up, do this and all that. And then all of a sudden you're back touring again. So it is, it is a bit of a, 
I don't know, just a, a merry-go-round, you know, do, so do, to speak. Do your wife and kids yeah. ever, like, really get to know who you are? Because it seems like <laughs> it, you, you spend so oh, yeah. much time, like, coming out of a tour and then being, you know, sort of getting yourself prepped up for, you know, at what point is the real you there? No, I, like I said, I, I think that I'm, I'm really there within four days from getting home. Uh, the problem is, yeah, I, I see where you're going with this, and it's true. I guess... You know, I'm there for four four days getting back into it, and then maybe four or five days before I leave, you know, I'm starting to put myself back into that mode again. So, yeah, yeah, it's it's a little. I, I guess from by now they they know how to handle it and they uh, they know what to expect. But I mean, you know, we're all kind of in that in this kind of um, back and forth mode for as long as the world tour goes on, which is usually around. 14 months for us for this band that's why you know when we're done a world tour we kind of we all go home and and, and we're we need that time off to recharge the batteries and reclaim some sanity <laughs> yeah it was uh, it was funny we were talking to a young band uh, a couple weeks ago and um and one of the biggest problems they had was uh, being able to stand in the moment and be able to kind of feel the moments that they were in are you able to do that when you're when you're in front of that in front of that audience and you're standing on stage and you and you realize exactly the power that you have and what that and, and are you able to feel those moments and and grasp that? I mean, is that something that that you can do? Well, I got a, I got a, a great one for you. Okay, so I'm going to answer yes, absolutely. I, I every single night that I go on stage, I am absolutely absolutely taking it all in. And it, you never grow tired of it. It is uh, indescribable what you're going through. And you're right. There's so much power. There's so much energy that you're getting from the audience. It, it is absolutely uh, a phenomenal feeling. At the same time, we kind of, uh, the band, we, we, we joke around about this. And we get, you know, we, we still can't believe that it goes on. But I guess that's the way it gets. Um, you know, once you're doing something and you and you're doing it every night, it's almost like it's muscle memory. And we've we've all talked about being on stage in front of you know whether we're doing a festival or we're doing a headlining show, and you're in front of thousands of people, and you find yourself you're actually I'm out there singing through the words and that, and then I'll say to them, yeah, you know, you remember when we were doing Surrounded tonight? Yeah, well, I was thinking about like. My uh, grilled chicken and salad, and how much I was looking forward to it. <laughs> and one of the other guys would go, "Yeah, man, I was just thinking. I was out there at the same time. I was uh, maybe not that song, another song. Yeah, and I was thinking about that movie that I just went and saw the, the other week, and uh, how phenomenal that was, or whatever. But it's so crazy that you can be out there in front, and all of a sudden you're lost in your thoughts and your body." has gone into this autopilot mode. And, I mean, it's very brief, you know. It's, it's not like it doesn't go on for half an hour or else you have problems. <laughs> but it, it's very brief. But just the fact that you can go to these places momentarily, and, uh, you know, it's, it's pretty crazy. It really is. But it does happen. And I, I think that if you were to ask that with a lot of other musicians that, that do this on a regular basis, they'd probably say, oh, yeah, man. I've definitely gone through that. Well, because and that's and that was kind of the strange thing was that being able to feel the the 
just the moment that you those great moments where you're be able to be in command at this uh, at the same time what does it feel like on the flip side when you're coming down from that and coming back home and being able to get yeah. yourself grounded again that juxtaposition between the stage life and the and the real life it's like a lot of people have struggled yeah, that's the word with I was that. looking for earlier thank you <laughs> that's the word I was looking for earlier. The juxtaposition between the two worlds. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, you know, it, it's it's definitely uh, something that you you can never go. Okay, I know how I got to go about this, so I can have it. So it's seamless. I can just go from being on stage and on tour, and then at home, and there's going to be no problem. I got it figured out. No, you know, you don't, because you know we're all constantly going through. Uh, whatever it is at that point in our lives. And it's, you know, like life is an emotional, very dynamic ride. So uh, I think that, you know, I've, I've come to just accept it. I, I kind of know what's going to go on, and I don't think that I'm ever going to be able to uh, find myself in a place where I can easily transition between the two. Was there ever a time in Dream Theater's history for- where you thought that you would perhaps give up music in any way shape or form or that the band might consider doing so well definitely for me i thought that my career was done um in 94 you know my wife and i went down to cuba and you guys probably know this story but i i suffered some serious food poisoning and i um i I bled onto my vocal cords from hurling and throwing up so violently and um you know, it took many years for my voice to come back to the point where I felt that I was comfortable and I was confident and I was able to do what I wanted to do. But um, I'd say at that moment in time, I was, you know, because I'd really lost a lot of who and what I was as a vocalist, and I really had to struggle, and I was getting raked over the coals by the fans worldwide. And, you know, I still do here and there. You know, if I go on stage and I'm not feeling well and I sound like shit singing... You know, they're they're quick to point that out, and so be it, you know, but I have thick skin. I'm like an alligator, whatever, bring it on. And um, But I'd, I'd say maybe at that point, um, yeah, I, you know, I was very, very freaked out and concerned and thinking that this might be it, you know, because I did some serious, serious damage to my cords, and it wasn't irreparable, but, you know, my ears, nose, and throat specialists, I saw two of them, and they, and they both said, you know, this is going to take a long time to heal. And so I guess, you know, if the band had been in a different situation where we were in a position to, to take a year off at that point, we probably, I would have, you know, been pleading that we do so. But we weren't in that position. We had just really started the world tour for the Wake album. And, um, and then, you know, that, that sledgehammer came, uh, came crashing down. But I think that's the only time, you know, where I really thought that maybe music was not going to be um, a lifetime for me or a lifestyle that that I could rely on. Um, you know, ever since then, it was just a matter of climbing the mountain, getting to the top and staying there, you know, individually. But as far as uh, the band, I think we were probably at our most uh, precarious moment would have been probably along right around the time of falling into infinity because there was just so much external uh, bullshit, if I may say so, that was going on around the band. And then there was personality conflicts within the band. It was just a smorgasbord of freaking negativity. Mm -hmm. And um, that might have been, you know, a 
point where the band might have might have uh, split up. But we we persevered and we you know crashed through that that um, unfortunate time and we came up with uh, scenes from a memory was our next album. So. We Did really you fix the external around. stuff first, or do you work on the internal stuff first when you've got all that happening at the same time? How, how do you fix it? Yeah, good good question. Um, it, it was a matter of um, fixing the external. You know, it, it was a matter of of us saying to the label, um, you know, you got to let us be, you got to let us do what we do, you got to let us be the kind of band that we are and stop thinking of us in another way, you know, that that we're going to produce singles for you or that we're going to be a big radio band. That's never been us. We fluked out, and we had a huge hit in 1992 on Images and Words with Pull Me Under, but, you know, it was never to be repeated. And so this band was built on building it, you know, from the ground up and, um, you know, making Dream Theater a brand by, by touring extensively and um, relentlessly. And and making sure that the albums were something that we could proudly stand behind. And I think some of that focus was, or some of that independence was being taken away from us uh, with with falling into infinity, where certain personnel uh, within the label wanted to kind of direct us into, uh, or down an avenue that just wasn't something that we could navigate. And um, so, you know, I, I think once that conversation was had with the label that you need to step back and you're going to hear the album when it's done. And they agreed to that, then then things turned around. And then we were able to start working on mending our differences within the band. Fortunately, we were able to kind of see things and realize that, you know, hey, you know, we're all in here for the same reason. We want to make this something, uh, you know, successful. and We want to do what we love to do, and that is music everybody was on the same page that nobody wanted to be the single band that the label wanted really i mean it was it was so ludicrous when when you you know the kind of band that we are to think that for some reason we were going to be somehow molded into a uh, a radio friendly band but you know i'm saying that now at the same time i believe that every single album that we've had a few songs that could have easily have gone to radio and been, uh, you know, widely accepted. Um, but, uh, you know, that that's whatever. You know, the fact that it didn't happen, it doesn't matter. I mean, it for us, it's a matter of, um, you know, we've gone on to sell, what, almost 15 million albums, and um, it, was, it was, we did it on our terms. And um, granted, if we had been maybe embraced uh, by radio more, um, you know, maybe, the, yeah, that number would be considerably more, but I think that we still have done something that we are all extremely proud of, and, uh, you know, sitting here today talking to you, I don't, I don't see uh, why we would have done it any differently. Well, that is, I mean, it is pretty impressive, especially that time of time in the record industry to go, uh, no, we're going to do it our way. You know, being able to have that fortitude mm-hmm. as a band and a group to be able to stand together and and at least come out and say that that's 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 kind of impressive. Uh, that was back when yeah, record companies well, well, still had quite a bit I, of control. And to get them to agree to it. Yeah, exactly. That's what I'm saying. Without going, <laughs> yeah. no, you're going to do it our way, yeah. or you're not going to do it at all. You know, I mean, that's you know, it was a different time yeah. in the '90s. Well, basically, and, and I think they knew that's that's what the next uh, you know message would have been to them. Well, if if you insist on controlling us. Uh, then we're done, you know, because we cannot work this way. We just can't. 
And I, I think they knew that's ultimately where the conversation is going to go. Yeah. As a as a band that's been, I mean, for 30 years, 25 years with you, where you guys go from a hit single band selling tons and tons of, of records, and now the economics of the music mm-hmm. business are very different. Have you guys had to adjust your personal lifestyles in some way to adjust with the economics of the music business as uh, over time? I personally don't think, well, I haven't. I mean, uh, I don't know. I'm not speaking on behalf of the other guys, and I don't think they have either. I think the fact that, I, you're right, the, the whole music industry as we knew it, uh, even, you know, when we started to hit internationally and, and become a, a worldwide known band, I think it was it was quite different back then because it was about, you know, it still was about selling uh, albums. And that and it's basically come down to you put something new out and you support it and it's all about the live revenue uh, for most bands. I think we are still in a very favorable position. The fact that our, our fans... Um, you know, they're a lot like when I was growing up and listening to Rush and Yes and Pink Floyd and Led Zeppelin. I mean, I had to have their albums. I, I was, a, you know, a collector. It was, um, you know, being proud to have them, to look at the artwork, to read through the lyrics. And I think a lot of our fans are still like that. So we're very fortunate, even though, you know, digital is becoming more and more apparent as far as um, how things are, are sold nowadays. Um, and... But the CDs and and we still do and we do vinyl releases as well. It, it's really surprising how much we still do generate with record sales. But it is nowhere near what what it used to be. Um, so it does it, it does come down to having to um, like most bands. It's the live revenue. You know, it, it is. It's a different world. I think you know we're fortunate because we. We're able to go out and we're able to tour around the world and, and do quite well, extremely well, actually. Um, so I think that's what's really helped to maintain, as you're saying, you know, our lifestyle. Well, and it's... But a, every band, you know, yeah, it's, it's pretty yeah. much the same now, right? Every yeah. band, like, it doesn't matter who you talk to, they're going to say, no, my sales aren't anywhere where they used to be. And the band is about, you know, we still love producing new music and new albums, but... Uh, we also know that you know it's it's not like it might have been in the seventies or eighties where you would you know release an album and it's selling millions and it was up to you whether you wanted to go out or not because you didn't really necessarily have to financially yeah. mm-hmm. you know but if you want to continue to to live a, a certain life and to maintain and to be able to say that you know you're going to be able to walk away from it and be extremely comfortable then you know you, you keep doing it while you can. And that's what it seems like on the surface looking yeah. at it going, you're about to release a double album. <laughs> Whoa. Mm-hmm. In, in, 20, in 2016. Yeah. It's yeah. like, that seems counterintuitive. But yeah. for some reason, for Dream Theater, yes. that doesn't seem counterintuitive. It seems like the, you know what I'm saying? It seems so, like par for the course. Almost expected. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Exactly. I think, you know, and that's the other thing is is being in this in this kind of a band, you know, we're, we're almost expected to, to do what we're doing right now. You know, um, if you look around the internet, oh my God, you know, it's been so long. It's been 16 years since they released the conceptual album. It's about time. and I can't wait to hear this from beginning to end. You know, you know, other bands are, 
I'm not saying that they they shouldn't do that because there's a lot of incredible talent out there. But for most bands to do something like that, uh, a lot of people would think that they just lost their minds completely. You know, and, and why are they doing that, and for what reason, and doesn't make any difference. And you know, there's quite a few artists out there that would be in that that boat. You know, so you know, once again, it's it's just uh, it 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 even pushes it even further how incredible a ride that we've we've had and we, we're continuing to have. James, what's the over under as far as the year that Dream Theater gets inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame? Uh, I'm going to say 2025. That's what I'm going to say. That, All right. that long? That long? Is that the, year, the first year of ineligibility? Uh, I think so. Eligibility? I mean, geez. Well, look how long it took Rush. Didn't Rush just get in last year or was it the year before? Yeah, last year. You guys are better than Rush. <laughs> What's that, 40 years into their career? Yeah, we just got I, Deep I Purple. Was, right? Yeah, we just got Deep Purple in there, so, you know. Yeah, but you guys yeah, are better than Deep Purple. Uh, another 10 years. I really do. I, th- I think it's going to take at least that. Jesus, I, I don't know. You, you see, I'm sounding a little uh, presumptuous here, I think. <laughs> but uh, I, I don't know. Maybe I'll get a rude awakening in 2025. We'll be nowhere near that. Or just won't Would happen, you guys pull a know. kiss? I, I think it will. And it would only be the current lineup that would perform? Or I'm, I'm sure everybody wants to know, like which ex members of Dream Theater would be invited to perform for the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame induction ceremony. I think to be completely sincere with you, I, I, I have to be there first before we could even have that conversation because I really don't know. I, I, I don't, you know, at this particular moment in time, I would say to you, it would be the current lineup to go in there, and I know a lot of fans would say, well, then that's not necessarily a true representation of the history of the band. But, I mean, you know, I just think that what we're doing right now uh, stands to reason with the fact that we this is who should be playing. If we're, if we're going to do a, uh, a performance, it'll be who's in the band right now. You know, in 2025, like I said, that I think that we, we will have a very strong possibility of being inducted, then uh, maybe at that point I'll go, who the, who the hell cares? Yeah, let's bring back all the ex-members. How about we all get on stage together? And how about we all perform a, sh- a, s- a couple songs together? You know, like I, you know, I could easily see myself being there as well. Who would be in the jam session? You know, like who's, first of all, who's still alive in 2025 who are in the Hall of Fame now? But, you know, that, that sort of thing. That's got to be right. fun to think about. It's fun. It's fun. Uh, I mean, you would, uh, you know, putting together an ensemble like that, you know, in 2025, and you're right. Well, especially in, in light of what, in the last, what, five weeks, we've lost oh. five five artists, mm-hmm. you know? I mean, oh, my God, man. You know, it's Yeah, James, are you healthy? You feel good? Here, Everything's guess, cool? No drug addictions? I feel amazing. No, I, I, you know what? I, I, uh, I exercise every day. I um, watch what I eat. I, I eat healthy. I take my vitamins. I... You know, I I feel great. I really do. Knock on wood. You know, I just knock on my head. But but <laughs> seriously, I feel great, and I think that you know that's what's going to uh, to enable me to go out and and enjoy the tour. You know, and be able to go on stage and not feel like I'm going to collapse or or black out. I mean, I think you see that now where you have your your rock stars out there from when I was growing up, and they're in their late sixties and they're still out there kicking ass and. I'm not saying they're all out there kicking ass, but but there are some you know notable ones that it's kind of like well the only reason that person's doing it is because you can see that they you know they're 
looking after themselves physically and and mentally as well. So uh, yeah, I think and I think everybody in the band is is feeling pretty damn good these days. But because we all know, like let's face it, when we were talking about it earlier, it's no easy feat to go out each and every night and do you know a two and a half hour show. Mm-hmm. It, it's you know you really have to. You can't just uh, be eating burgers and pizzas and drinking a, a keg of beer every day and then think you're going to walk out on stage <laughs> and be able to pull that off. Right. I think you do one show and say, that's it. See you guys later. I'm going home. For We're sure not looking forward to the Dream Hospice Tour. You know, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you're right. <laughs> okay. That'll be after the inductee. Yeah, right. Uh, right? Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Well, James, it has been great talking to you, man. Definitely, I'm, I'm, yeah. I can't, uh, I can't, I really am looking forward. To, I'm hoping this comes through the South because uh, I want to see this uh, this show on tour because it's, it sounds like it's going to be amazing. Yeah, I hope so too. No, yeah, congratulations! So too, you know, because every time that we played down, yeah, well, thank you, because every time we played down through uh, through the South, and you know, and you just said you guys are from Texas and that. I mean, God, man, it's, it's been great. We've had an amazing time down there, so I will. I, for one, will be extremely upset if we do not get down through there. But um, I'm sure we will. I, I am sure of it. I just set myself up. I have to make it happen. No <laughs> yeah, exactly. What. He promised. James promised they're coming to yeah. Texas. All right. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah, he's he's a liar.
to the Metal Sucks Podcast today.
Crystal King is the name of the song from Holy Grail on the Metal Sucks podcast. You need to check out that record. I just got the whole thing. It's awesome. Times of Pride and Peril is the name of the new record. I think you will dig. I definitely do, man. Uh, Metal Sucks podcast brought to you this week by Tooth Grinder. Tooth Grinder. Their debut album called Nocturnal Masquerade is available from uh, Spine Farm Records on January 29th. 12 tracks. I, I love it when they when they spell it out for you. It's schizophrenia, aggressiveness, and technical wizardry, because um, I don't know that I would come up with those words on my own. Uh, awesomeness. But see, that's me. I don't have like the, I don't think I have the vocabulary to deal with it. If you're a fan of Dillinger Escape Plan Between the Bear and Me and Meshuggah, this record, you're going to love it, just to say the least. I think it's just, it's going to be on my year-end list for sure, so definitely check that one out. Also brought to you by the uh, Creative Live this week. If you want to learn how to record music, check out our friends at Creative Live. They've got classes on engineering, mixing, mastering, all taught by your favorite artists. You know those ones I just mentioned that you might like? All those people, they work at Creative Live and give you some of the coolest classes ever. CreativeLive.com com slash audio if you want to learn more and watch some free previews and uh oh dude they've got some cool stuff coming up man and you know what i was gonna say is i was listening to last week's episode with tim from protest the hero mm-hmm. and he was he was telling us about how like you know the previous album they did in this real expensive studio but with the uh their new uh uh, uh band camp thing that they're doing they're just recording at a buddy's house in his yeah. basement right yeah. that if you want to be the buddy who records an awesome band and they, they, you know, they, they don't like that guy, but they're going to act like they're he's the greatest guy on earth, so that they can use his basement, right? So if you're a, the kind of person who can't make friends, but you'd like to have really cool friends, if you can get on Creative Live, take some classes, become an awesome producer, and record in your own basement, guess what? Voila! Creative Live will get you friends, man, and not only friends, they'll get you friends like Protest the Hero. How <laughs> so, badass! So, is that? so you're saying that if you creative live is going to make you cool is what you're saying yes right? that's what i'm saying that, that's that's a that's that's a bold statement i love it i think like but, i, I want to hear that that testimonial from some dude you know what i was really nerdy and insane before but now i learned how to record music and i'm awesome <laughs> you know so. you know like if we, if if we were young dudes like we could like become really awesome photographers and hot chicks who want to get their picture taken would talk to us so that we would take pictures of them. But now that we're as old as we are, it just comes across as really creepy. You don't know so how many times I've actually dude, thought about that. You know, like I, I, yes. I, I look at I look at these boudoir photos on on you know Twitter, and I'm like, you know. <laughs> Being a photographer would be really fucking awesome right about now. This would be really totally. Cool. <laughs> so I'm just saying, if you want cool friends and if you want to meet hot chicks, and but with the prerequisite that area, a relatively young guy, creative life and learn it's how to cheap. do and learn how to do good work. There is that part of it, you know. You that's that too. That too. Yeah, it's a given. You got to be good at it. All right, you know, at least that part. You know, uh, let's see. In this back half of the show, we wanted to talk about how rock and roll is dead. Or is it? <laughs> well, that metal show's dead. <laughs> it's the end of the world. We're all kind of in the world that thing. I all right. So let me just preface everything I say about that metal show by saying first, I never watched a moment of it. Really? Right? You never watched not, any of that not, metal show? 
Not a single moment of it. Wow. But I can say without reservation that that must have been the most awful television that anybody <laughs> could have possibly put on. I mean, they, come on. They, they're just talking about no. it. They, just look at who they were talking to. It was like it was like a, a, a who's who of the, of the local nursing center, rock and roll nursing center. It was like, <laughs> oh, we got what's-his-face from Cinderella, and we got what's-his-face from Kicks, And like, nobody cared about those bands when they were worth being cared about. I mean, I... I I, how it survived as long as it did, I have no idea. I think they had a great name for the show. And, uh, you know, uh, what was the name of the guy that uh, came on, Don, on the podcast? That Don you Jameson. Don, relatively funny guy, you know, so I could see what he's entertaining, you know, that sort of thing. But, I mean, first of all, uh, 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 Eddie Trunk is a... Yeah, how in the world he survived as long as he has, I don't get it. I mean, I've tried listening to his podcast. It is unlistenable. <laughs> like, I'm just, what was it? Somebody tweeted the other you day. Don't have was to be great. insulting, thought, my friend. Come on. Well, I'm, I don't want to be insulting, but as somebody said, it was really good. They said uh, I always thought an uh, Eddie Trunk was uh, an Iron Maiden casket. You know, I thought that was good. <laughs> uh, no, I think the for me though, whenever I saw something on TV that said you know metal, pointed metal, whether it was Fuse doing uh, Uranium back in the day. Um, you know, uh, what's, what's, I can't remember the name of the video show that the VH1 has on now. That's the metal show either. Uh, that's just videos. Uh, but whenever there's something to do with anything heavy music related, I, I always wanted to support it because I think it's one of those things that when you see it there, you need to support it so that it kind of, you know, the rising tide raises all ships, you know? So if there's going to be something, if, if they're going to, that's a gateway drug, right? You know, it's going to open the doors and, 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 and hopefully some more stuff will come through if, if, you know, I have my druthers. And granted, there were some sleepy artists that were on there, but they had some really cool stuff at the same time. Well, this is the problem is that, is that anybody who, Turned on, turned on the TV who might have had some curiosity about metal would turn that show on and then they would relate it to that like freaky uncle that they got who does look a lot like Eddie <laughs> Trunk and go, that's the, I don't want anything to do with that. They were the worst possible figureheads to try to introduce anybody to anything metal because they did the best they could to make everything metal related as irrelevant looking as possible and that's just not cool says my business says my business casual thing. partner here i mean come on you know the how many tattoos do you get that's i mean cool dude is that is, cool. is that what's cool that's what's metal that's that's what's doing that's it these days cool. okay cool i mean come on at least grow a fucking beard or something man jeez you know if you're, if you're <laughs> gonna I, represent represent i can't i can't grow a beard i tried <laughs> i tried i really did can i wear some, some more satanic t-shirts or something dude i mean you know i just think that like like the whole thing is is a little all right so that metal show like i could care less right whatever i mean it was bad tv I, you know if vh1 were smart they'd be calling you any moment now and and getting something on the air that people would tune into, putting on music that that people would listen to, that curious people would check out and go, that looks cool because that's what you do, Chuck. You make metal cool. But what's frightening to me, yeah, what's frightening to me is that what if this is sort of the signifier, sort of like as bad as Headbangers Ball would be a lot of the time? The moment the moment that it was taken off the air it was like. Uh oh! It signified that yeah. metal, in a broader sense, was somehow being uh, discounted. 
And I, everybody can complain all they want about how they hate it when metal goes mainstream. But the fact of the matter is, is that the economy needs that mainstream money. Totally. And that, and that's and that's kind of my point is, is that if you don't have a good kind of top end mainstream sort of vein that's going out there, you're not going to have an underground, you know, because if it's all underground, then nobody wins at all. You know, you need to have at least you, you've got to have the the mud vein reunion and you got to have the five finger death punch and you got to have the disturbed and you got to have those guys that are out there that are doing hard rock and roll you know i might not call it metal but it's got to be there so that the so that you can have a lamb of god on the next level down so that you can have you know bands on the on the lower end and what other people consider underground that i don't even know you know what i'm saying and if you don't have that sort of uh, that hierarchy going on there, then you know what do you got? You know it's and I and I think that when you see something like that, it's it. it I, I I fear that it's a bellwether. You know, it's the canary in the yeah. coal mine, and it's like oh yep. shit, we have the bigs, we have Viacom that says you know what metal isn't viable, and that's a problem. Like that's a big fucking problem, and I think that's that's a trickle down effect. I got a feeling though. You know, Viacom didn't even see fit to say, we're going to keep the name. They gave them the name. So that's that's what's even more sort of, oh, shit. Okay. But yeah, I they do- have no interest in metal, in, 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 at least in, in a long enough term that the person working there is like, well, I'm working here for another 24 months. I'm not going to want another show called That Metal Show. Yeah. So, you know. But I do have a that. feeling that, that they'll be able to take that show somewhere else and make that successful. You know, I think that they'll be able to go to Access TV or they'll be able to go to uh, the new Banger TV with Sam Dunn. You know, because Sam Dunn, like his thing is pretty much not a look at what's going on in metal now. It's a look at what has happened in metal in the last 40 years more than more than anything else so i think that that's sort of the show that we're talking about you know it's not about what's now it's about what was and you know it's and i think that's really the focus of that metal show and has been for a long time there is nothing successful about eddie trunk except perhaps (laughs) his ability to eat a double cheeseburger faster than anybody else. he's skinny now he's like dude i'm fatter than eddie trunk is so so don't even don't even go there we we gotta work on that man we gotta i gotta gotta get you i gotta I can't have you pulling a David Bowie on me here. You know, I'm going to need be, to be my thin white Duke. Come on, I'm going to be I'm going to be 20 pounds down for the cruise. I'm I'm working All on right. it. I'm I'm, I'm actually right. I'm working on it. I'm working on it now. I did, Can you get another 20 down before South by when you're on that panel? I think I will actually. That's that's right. you know, one of my All goals. Right. I'm working on it. I I am. Woo-hoo. But I th- but I think though that it's you know, and then we put it in context with what you had that article that you had sent me about. Uh, the revenues that people are making in the the ticket sales for shows, uh, right? And yeah, shout out to Ryan Downey on that one. Yeah, yeah, when you add those things up, and you see them all the time on Metal Sucks too, where it's the, the this is what these are selling, and that's what. But sometimes you don't actually you look at it and go, wow, that's thirty thousand dollars. That's a lot of money. But then you have to kind of grind down a little bit and look at the specifics of it. And what you had pointed out were, look at all these shows that aren't selling out. Yes, it was it was like twenty shows on this list, and it was all sorts of stuff. Yeah, it was you know wide ranging. I, I can't remember. Yeah, it was, I can't remember, but I think, it was, I think it was like Disturbed and like uh, Scott uh, Weiland and Rob Zombie, yeah. Scott Weiland. Yeah, all the and it was like it didn't matter what, but it was like it was like every single one of those shows didn't sell out. And and this is the issue is if 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 a promoter doesn't make money when half the room is sold, yeah, they, it just doesn't happen. It, they got to cover the guarantee. The guarantee is going to be like three quarters of the room. So the promoter only makes money if they sell that place out. And so 
they're not going to book a venue if they don't think they can sell it out. There's no point in sell. Yeah, you know, they, they would rather pay, pay a lower guarantee, have a lower rent on the on the venue, and then then they can make their money. When a show doesn't sell out, that's frightening. And when all of them are falling short of yeah. selling out, that's really frightening. And this might be like a trend across all genres. I don't know. I don't pay any attention to the rest of them, right? But it does concern me, at least in metal. And I mean, my point was, uh, you know, what I kind of bounced back with was, well, you were kind of in that slow time of year, blah, 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 blah. But you go back and you look, and there's a lot of them that are sort of like that right now. And when we talk to artists, you know, over and over and over again, you know, the money is not in the records anymore. The money is not in the music that you make. You can't make money off of that stuff. Spotify is paying you point zero 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 one cent on every song that you put or every spin that it makes. So you're not making money off the music like you were. It's all in touring. So if the money's all in touring and then the tours aren't doing well, what does that look like for the industry? What's going to happen? And how is that, you know, if the whole thing is starting to come down, you know, you got a system that may be on the verge of having a, some real issues here very soon. Yeah. And, you, you know, you can go back to that whole thing that you always hear about, like somebody going, you got to support the scene, man. You got to support the scene. <laughs> well, it's such BS, right? Because it's like if the show is coming to town, I'm not going to like leave my house with all the other entertainment opportunities I've got in front of me and all the other stuff I got to do. Plunk down 20 bucks and then another seven for a beer or whatever to see a show that I could care less about just to support the scene, man. I'm just not going to do it. Mm-hmm. So I don't know what the answer is, but you know, like we we got to figure out a way to do a better job of making metal look cool and getting eddie trunk and don jameson and the other guy off of tv is a step in the right direction (laughs) it may be it may be a step back right now but it's gonna end up being two steps forward once they put you on tv so i'm i'm excited for that well but you know no matter what you know i'm sitting here at a certain age i'm gonna get older you're gonna get older i mean everybody gets older at some point and then sooner or later you wear black socks with sandals and and that's just what the fuck happens so i mean (laughs) you got we got to deal with that part of it you're not gonna look cool forever you know, I'm I mean, I'm not going to tell you what I'm wearing on my feet. I fucking know. So that's why do you think I said it? So, so the thing is, is that it's it, it's not a matter. I don't think it's a matter of image as much as much as it is as it is desire. You know, and I think that if people don't desire the stuff, they're not willing to go out and they're willing to see live music, and it's not part of their it's not in their wheelhouse anymore. And like I've seen this from a radio side where the the part that it's it's been hard like. I've been on the air for 10 years, right? And I have people that are 25 and have been saying, I've been listening to you since I was in high school, blah, 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 you know, which is really kick ass and it's awesome. And I introduced them to this band or that band or this or that, which is really cool. That's getting fewer and far between with the younger crowd anymore because they're not paying attention to the same stuff they were before. Of course they're not paying attention. I mean, they turn on the tv and 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 what is attractive about watching somebody try to answer some obscure hair rock trivia in order to win the new britney fox cd i mean it's just not gonna happen well britney fox is pretty awesome man what are you talking about or dude not, <laughs> is it britney fox or is it britney what's the other that band it sounded just like cinderella that no that was britney fox you you, fox? you had a right you you were right yeah? okay yeah. good i, I had, I had a britney fox album i know that's yeah it's oh. totally yeah 
I hate to admit that, but yeah, I know. You know, you, you turn on the TV, those, two, you know, you got, you know, some guy who's with plastic surgery who, you know, is chumming up uh, with, uh, you know, the dead singer of Great White or whatnot. And it's just, that's not, that is not going to bring in a young audience. No. But you get, you get Zach Wilde on that couch. Which they've done. And I don't care. Well, yeah, but they got to do it every single week. You know, and I'm not saying Zach Wild every single week, but I'm saying you get Zach Wild, you get Rob Flynn, you get you get Randy Bly, you get the guys from Slipknot, you get and now all these guys that I'm naming are 30, 40 years old, but at least they're not 112 like everybody else they had on that show. Well, but I see they I they actually had a pretty good swath of different types of guests that were like that. I really do think that, and you know, but they had the old guard too. So there's, I think it's a it was always a yeah. nice. They, mix up. they needed they they needed there's no such thing as a nice mix when you got the guy from great white in there it's just <laughs> no you, well the, because beyond that like i i used to have this complaint all the way back in 1992 that's there's a definition no, of metal problem you man. you cannot yes you cannot get cinderella in the same room as slayer and tell me that this is both of the same genre it is not those old guys in 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 all those hair rock bands have nothing to do nothing to do with what we're doing that me, that metal show should have been that hair rock show and that's what it was and that and, is a, and that's i totally agree with that that's that's actually something completely different i mean i think that putting slash and randy bly together is like what wait you know granted yeah, you know this totally. big star but those two types of music don't are, are not the same thing there yep. you know i don't need velvet revolver and, and velvet revolver and lamb of god you know it's not those things don't match so i agree i totally agree with that and i think that is a valid point there the age thing i i you know i was thinking about it because um there was a great dj here in austin that passed away last week and it was kind of the reason that i was in my head way too much in last last week's episode but i loved his show it is a blue show whatever did had nothing to do with metal but he'd been on the air for 40 years he was 73 years old. Granted, he was playing old, older music, but I kept thinking about it in terms of me. And I'm like, I've been on the air for 10 years. It's like, when I'm 70, am I going to be playing spitting fucking rhymes about Lamb of God and shit? Am I going to be like what Randy was talking about? Am I going to be on stage at 60 years old screaming about, <laughs> screaming about, you know, crazy shit like that? I don't know. But, it, but I don't want to say that I won't, you know, so at the same time, I can't look at those guys and go, well, they're fucking old as shit, you know, and blah, 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 blah. But I don't think they change with the times either. You know, it's like being able to exactly. realize where you are and what that means. I think that's the hard part is that really going, okay, this is what's going on now. This is a now thing. That's a then thing. And I think that's, that's more of what we had in there. But in relation to, you know getting people out to shows and what's going on right now in the rock world i think it's just i'm afraid that that's maybe part of the problem you know it's not showing people that there's some really cool shit going on out there i'm just saying the lead singer at tooth grinder is a very attractive man who deserves to be on television <laughs> he actually is and he? he's like he's like yeah. he's all muscle bound right am i thinking of the right guy you know i i'm not saying you play the music and the girls will come running but you put him on tv the girls come running and you know the first thing you every audience needs is girls because girls then bring in the boys, which bring in more girls, which bring in the more boys. And that's how that works. I mean, it's the John Mayer model. I mean, let's be honest here. Metal needs to adopt the John Mayer model of audience building. 
Yeah, because there wouldn't be a single male fan of John Mayer if there wasn't a gaggle of female fans for John Mayer. Exactly. Yeah, I, I, I totally see where you're going with that. All right, cool. Yeah. And there's enough, so, hot, there's enough hot dudes in metal that can figure this shit out. I mean, you know, I've yeah. seen some pretty motherfuckers in bands. People I, are taking care of themselves. I know. It's, it's, it's completely different. If I get that tooth grinder CD and I can't undo the whole, like, CD booklet and it's just a stretch out of him lying down on the ground <laughs> just looking a little seductive, <laughs> then I'm terribly disappointed. <laughs> and I'm just saying they're missing out on a huge opportunity. There. With a wireless microphone just placed in the right spot, <laughs> you know? Like, okay. Wow. Okay. Can all you right. imagine... You imagine like some young girl like going into the HM the one HMV that's left on Earth, right? And she sees the CD and she goes, "Well, that's a good looking guy. I kind of like that." And it's like it's got a sticker on it. It says "Full Length Poster of This Hot Guy Inside." And they buy the CD and then take it home and play it. That, my friend, is a gateway. That is a future metal fan. But you also think about like the things that you see that are out there that are kind of a unifying thing like with branding and metal bands, right? The ones that are really successful have got a great logo, have got a great-looking band. At least they've got some kind of look. They're not just standing in front of a brick wall. They've got good artwork. They've got you know good liner notes and good stuff for you to buy. They've got great T-shirt artwork. Like That brand is very thick, and in order for that to be really successful with a newer band – the thicker you are in that respect, the better you're going to be. You know, we kind of talked to it with 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 Tim from Protest the Hero about that. You know, it's like one of the cool things that they've got going for them is all this artwork. Uh, same thing with Baroness. You know, the cool thing with them is that they've got this really rad artwork in about five million different ways they can package that shit together. And it's it's not just the music; it's the image and it's everything else. And I think finally bands are really really starting to think about that again. The ones that have have been successful. You know, the, it have at least given it a forethought. When you think about the Five Finger Death Punches and you think about the Lamb of Gods and you think about the bands that have kind of been able to parlay that into some pretty decent Dream success. Theater. You know, Dream Theater is another great one, like where they're thinking about everything, not just not just the music. It's the live show. It's the this and it's the that. It's everything put together. They're able to really that, make a go of it. And that segues into my South by Southwest panel, which is all about uh, music management and why it's important. You know, Sometimes as a band, you either don't have the ability to or don't want to think about all the things that you need to think about. So you need exactly. to hire somebody who, who does that like all the time. That's mm. how they live and breathe. It's very true. I mean, you know, we've talked about that before, whether it's making sure that you've got yourself lawyered up so that you at least know what what kind of copyright stuff and trademarks and all that stuff, you know, but management is important because, you know, you guys, if you want to concentrate just on the music, then you got to hire somebody to do all this other shit for you. Yeah. And if you're if you just want to concentrate on the music, it's really hard to do that when you're looking at Eddie Frick. In Trump, you know that's. <laughs> so thank goodness that show is off television. That's Aww. all I'm saying. Rest in but peace. But once again, let me let me bookend that by once again saying I never watched a single moment of the show, so I have no idea what I'm talking. About. And say VH1, if you're looking for a you're looking for a new show, just uh, give a God- Godless at GodlessSpeaks.com. You know, there you go. Oh, totally. Did you, did you realize the things that I, that we could do? With the with the with some with some like fresh blood. Is fr- 
Yeah, with I, I mean, it would be awesome to be able to no. take our interviews and then just get them boiled down to like the real, real essence, you know, and and really bring it down on there. Oh, I'm an ugly God, motherfucker, dude. Awesome. I don't know about that. That's just one of those things. Who I'm could tell, much. man? You're a big old beard. There's no way that anybody <laughs> knows what you look that's like. Tr- that's true. There's a there's a, well, what did he look like? Well, he had a big fucking beard. That's about all I know. I don't yeah, know. totally, totally. <laughs> hey, the Metal Sucks podcast brought to you this week by the uh, Black Sabbath, of course. Return. They're returning to North America this month for their highly anticipated final tour called The End, of course. And to celebrate the greatest metal band of all time, they're releasing deluxe editions of their first three studio albums, Black Sabbath, The Paranoid, Master of Reality, all from original remasters. Uh, you you got to check it out, dude. Available on CD for the first time, along with the uh, second disc of outtakes and previously unreleased stuff in North America. Out now, double disc or double LP. So check that out. Also, bro. That's awesome that it's being remastered because I was listening to some old Sabbath just earlier this week and just thinking, oh, man, this is, sounds so muddy compared to what I bet they could Oh, do dude, now. yeah. The remasters. So that's cool to hear. Yeah, the remaster. Like and I don't know. A lot of people are kind of, you know, up in the air about whether they like that or not. I don't know. I kind of like it. I kind of dig because especially if it's taken from the original recordings and then sort of in done that way, not like what Ozzy tried to do where he was going to re-record the drums and all that shit. You know, like if it's taken from the originals and then redone, I think that's really kind of a kind of a reinventing of it. But, you know, now I got to own all these three records again. So it's like, and I will. Also brought to you this week by Creative Live. Uh, if you want to learn how to record music and be cool, we learned that you can be cool if you learn how to learn how to do stuff from Creative Live. Classes on engineering, mixing, mastering, all taught by artists like Between the Bear and Me, Converge, Periphery, Dillinger, Escape Plan. Head over to creativelive.com slash audio if you want to learn more and uh, get some free previews. Uh, our good friend E.L. Levy, of course, got a boot camp coming up in March and some other cool stuff. There's a lot of really, really great stuff on Creative Live that you need to check out can i just uh real quick plug let everybody know that i was on the bad christian podcast last week so uh uh, check out bad christians i was in the wake of doing two episodes of the pastor with no answers oh wait Uh, so so my twitter feed is like like blowing up so i've done three episodes in like short order with those guys so wait you were on pastor Pastor with with no answers and and bad christian yeah yeah okay two with pastor with no answers and one on bad christian okay okay i haven't checked out the second half of pastor with no answers and i didn't know about the bad christian one i see how it is branching out there buddy what the hell, man? Yeah. God, tell you what. <laughs> While you're at it, if you're looking around, maybe subscribe to us, too. That'd be kind of cool. Uh, iTunes, yeah, uh, look yeah. for Metal Sucks Podcast. You can find us. You can find us on Stitcher, Google Play, wherever you get your podcast. Make sure you go there and check it out. And you can uh, subscribe. Tell us, uh, you know, give us a review. Tell us we suck. Give us a couple of stars. You know, we'd appreciate it. That'd be a great thing. Also, while you're out there, you can find us on social media. I am at Bearded Ape. I am at Godless Speaks. Godless Speaks on Facebook. So dig those up, and we're going to be doing some special stuff for our Patreon subscribers. If you uh, are on there and you are supporting us on Patreon, we're going to add a few more things here coming up very, very soon. So you can go to ChuckAndGodless.com. That'll take you right to our Patreon page, and you can uh, you know, support us. We would appreciate that. We really do. Really appreciate it. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, totally. And uh, then because uh, I quit my job. <laughs> <laughs> so is this your? This is a, if this is your resume dude uh yeah, yeah. you better start calling vh1 this is, now this is now my this is now now my my principal source of revenue <laughs> yeah. by the way uh if anybody is hiring in dublin ireland uh it would be great for you to give me a call uh you're gonna become a cam model before you know it so don't worry uh, I, I go we for gotta it. Get this TV show on VH1 like real fast. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> no, dude. I say seriously, just go for the cam model thing, man. You know, whatever you got to do, just suck it up and go for it, man. 
Uh, but uh, yeah, till next week, man. Make sure you uh, check us out all over the place. I am Chuck. I am Godless. And this is another episode of the Metal Sucks Podcast. Listening to the Jabberjaw Podcast Network, jabberjawmedia.com. Shh.